Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. Thank you so much for tuning in today's podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Great Day Podcast. And if you're back for another fantastic, insightful, meaningful podcast, well, thank you for your support. Today, we are sponsored by SameMazeltov.com, a platform where you could reach out to your favorite Jewish creator, a thought leader, a perhaps a singer a comedian, someone who is impacting the world in some great way and to uh, request from them a personalized video message for a special occasion in your life for a family member, for a friend. And uh, it's all done in a very fun, easy way, samemazeltov.com. And don't forget a percentage of every transaction goes to a charity of the month. So be sure to check out samemazeltov.com. Also today we are supported by, well, we actually, we want to support them. Uh, dailygiving.org. Dailygiving.org is an incredible organization that helps you give in a very easy way. You just donate $1 a day. $1 a day goes straight to an organization, a new one every single day. These days, they're giving out $6,500 a day to a special organization, a tzedakah that's helping this world, helping people. So it's simple. It's easy. They're super transparent. You know exactly where every single dollar is going to. They're taking nothing on their back end. Uh, you get a daily email saying how much money is being given, where it's going to. It's all done very, very well. Check out dailygiving.org. Let them know Mayor K sent you. It's an incredible, incredible platform that's helping do so much good in this world. Today we have part two of Elon Gold. That's right. It's actually my first time doing a part two episode of any kind. And it was Elon Gold. We had such a great time with him. I want to say we, it's a collective we. It's really myself and all the voices in my head. <laughs> I had such a great time with him and the feedback from the podcast episode with him has been great. So he's back here again. We cover the little spots that we missed along the way, such as a really great story with uh, Larry David. He does a bunch of impressions. We talk about Israel, my viral video, the hugging video that took place, and a whole lot more, some insights in the comedy world. Just a whole bunch of just, it's a fun, insightful episode, which I'm excited to share with you right now. Uh, Elon's just a really super funny guy, smart, and overall an incredible mensch, a good friend. And so without further ado, enjoy this episode with Elon Gold. What's up, Elon? Yeah, here we are, part two. What's up, Mayor K? How we doing? How we living? How we doing today? It's a great How day, man. How does this man. sound? Better like, better like this, or is this fine, too? That's fine, too. A little more echoey, but if you get a little closer, it's better. The closer we get, the better we are. I'm really, I really appreciate you making the time today because I know how busy you are, and you're in the flow. You're in the flow right now. We've just interrupted your creative flow and we know how hard it is to get into a flow. Correct. I was in the flow of like this. And, and then my manager was giving me notes on the script. And I was like, let me do this and then we'll get back to it. But I'm writing a very, we should start. Are we starting? We started, we're here. No, you got to do a whole setup. We're doing part two. I'm here with Elon Gold and it's exciting. And How would you do it, Elon? How would you do it? How, do you I want would to give say, the intro to your, own, to your own episode? I would do it as Howard Stern. Uh, well, this is very exciting, Robin. Let me tell you something. This Elon Gold guy, 
He does a part one with us, uh, right, Robin? And it was so good, we had to do another one. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I will just say that welcome to part two. We had a lot of unanswered questions. A lot has gone on between part one and part two. A lot has gone on. A whole on. lot. A whole First lot. of all, I, I came up with my favorite new bit, which is these are things the actor Michael Caine would never say. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Things the actor Michael Caine would never say. Here we go. I don't think that that dress is quite sneerstick. <laughs> Things the actor Michael Caine would never say. I was not happy this past Shabbos when I was chosen, when I was chosen for Galila, when I was really hoping for Hogba. Fantastic. Things the actor Michael Caine would never say. So there, that bit was created also, and many more, so many bits. Do you have a microphone? Are you being mic? Are you mic? I am. I'm mic'd. I have, I'm on in transit. Okay, Usually good. people are going to notice that your, your audio is a little bit better than mine in this episode. Fine. That's the fact fine. that I'm on the road, but yes. Another I, thing that happened between then and now is Mayor K blows up on the internet, tremendous. becomes becomes a viral sensation mm. and you did this incredible Again. video just when we all needed something we all Thank needed you. a virtual hug and yours was about a literal hug when anti-semitism was rising thank god that ended no it did <laughs> i think it hasn't ended and, and and sadly almost never will not never but you know not anytime yeah. soon totally do you dissipated yeah. i think right you know, it comes ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. It ebbs, it ebbs and, and flows. flows. I don't think we're at this peak of we're not scared anymore to leave our houses. There was a week where we were scared, where I had to tell my father, don't wear your yarmulke in Manhattan on the way to shul. I've oh, never yeah. said that, never thought I would say that, and never will say that again, hopefully. But it was like it was I just intense. don't want a man in his 80s being beat up by some thugs, anti-Semitic. A -hole. It's the worst. And, and, and we know what, unfortunately, when, when this goes on, it, there may be a new rise in anti-Semitism. And I would say this, in this recent, these, a month ago or two months ago, whenever that, when, when the fiasco was happening, it was really the first time in my life where I realized, oh my God, this is like, this is real. Like, this is, this is a yeah. real thing. I, even though I've been, I've actually been attacked because I was Jewish in Europe when I was uh, in my late teens. I don't know. Is there was something about this time here in America, seeing the videos, people being attacked. I was, and hence my hugging video, I went to the place where people were attacked just a week prior, Times Square, Union Square. And I was like, this is very scary. I was scared for my life when I did that. I didn't have any backup. I thought I was hoping to have some security there. It didn't work out. And it really changed my point of view, I would say now, but you know, now than never to like really take this a bit more seriously and to, and to voice my opinion and not to be ashamed. Of and you did, and you had such an impact where all these big stars were were reposting yeah. and Jewish and non-Jewish and and it really just it just brought people together in a way of like, hey, we just gotta like love more and hug more and 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 enough with the hate. By the way, we shouldn't hug too much, and because then you're in a Harvey Weinstein situation. But uh, and not, and not that he got in trouble for his hugging. But anyway, but my point is, it was hence the blindfold. Important. I just want to say that there was a blindfold involved, so we we were open. 
Honest. Well, that's that's my next point. That you were very brave and you did open yourself up. I mean, to wear a blindfold and not know what to expect and not have security, and it's just you and I guess the guy filming you, whatever. And I did not pay him enough for him to be any type of security. He would have been running the opposite direction yeah. if it happened. You and know. Then, and this is a time with this heightened, these heightened attacks, and you put yourself out there in a very vulnerable, real way that was like, hey. You can attack me or you can hug me. But what I'm saying is I, I think we need more hugging, less attacking. So that was, that was very a impressed. Great video. Thank you. I also I was quite impressed how people know about this, but how how uh, behind the scenes you are when it comes to uh, supporting Israel, adequacy, uh, fighting anti-Semitism. I mean, I don't know if it's public knowledge or not, but you did put together an incredible group of humans on a Zoom call and and I know yeah, you did other that, events. Yeah, thank that you. Was That's quite nice powerful. of you to say. I'm not um, we, I don't want to feed into the, um, I knew those Jews had meetings and they, and they <laughs> right. get together and they've got this global agenda. I'm trying, I'm actually working on a joke that is, is about that they really think we have meetings and we're trying to control the world and we've got this agenda. And, you know, the joke is going to be like, we do have meetings. They're called fundraisers. And the agenda is not world domination. It's how do we get these idiots to stop thinking we have an agenda? Yeah. And how do we raise more money so that we could keep doing these fundraisers so that we could stop these idiots from thinking we have an agenda? That's our agenda. We don't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda. The, the, the joke that I was doing all summer that I'm loving is about, you know, that uh, little phrase, the Jews will not replace us that those very fine people were saying remember that mm -hmm. yes the jews want to replace us and i'm like you know and the and again it's a joke and the joke is replace you you know we don't want to replace you we just want to manage your portfolio <laughs> if we replace you how are we going to invoice you replace you we just want to fit you for glasses okay we just want to represent you in the divorce when she replaces you for becoming a neo-nazi so the joke is that, and it plays into all the stereotypes that, oh, we're lawyers and we're optometrists and we're, you know, um, financial advisors, manager mm. portfolio. It plays into the stereotypes, but also really lets people know that there is no agenda. The Jews will yeah. not replace us, even though that had a lot to do with immigration and that whole situation, whatever. But like, it's a ridiculous mantra yeah. to, to yell. Uh -huh. A hundred percent. And it, and that's where, I mean, your comedy, I, I think, it, and we talked about this in your previous, uh, in the previous episode, and for those who haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to episode one with Elon Gold, because there is some untied business we have to do here. One of which is um, an LD story, I believe, or We're a story. We're going to get to that, but first, get what to that. was but the before, fallout to making a video where millions of people are seeing it? Are you, how does it change things for you? And just to finish your story about what I was doing, um, you know, it wasn't in secret, but what I, I felt I needed to do something. And I just wanted to have a Zoom with a lot of great influencers like you, people like Noah Tishby, you know, people like Barry Weiss, um, uh, people who are doing things, you know, the real influencers, not the fake Bella Hadid influencers who are only, you know, influencing 
uh, mirrors because it's really just how do I look and it's all about yeah. looks and it's vapid, shallow garbage and then misinformation. I mean, what the what the word influencers was made for to influence people in a positive way. And that's 100%. what you were doing. So I just got people together, people like, um, oh, my God, I'm just spacing on her name, the Scottish woman who's all over Twitter. Um, Yes, she's incredible. I, I, incredible. I do a lot of new names, honestly, who I didn't even know about till being introduced through right. you. I can't I mean, believe I'm so bad with names that I'm blanking on her name. But Nancy anyway, Spielberg was on there too. Nancy Spielberg. There was Nancy a lot was, of yeah. influential people, and the it was point amazing. Was what can we do? How do we make more Mayor K videos? How can we influence people to stop hating us? That's the real thing that Did I tried to do. Did anything come out of that, though? Any, I mean, I know it was part of one conversation. I mean, there's a continued conversation. There is a continued conversation. And by the way, it's killing me that I can't think of her name. I'm, I just want to, I'm so We'll have to do it in an episode. We'll have to do it in part three. See, but there's always something where I forget something. This is what, what happens. What has you happened if you forgot something mid-set? How do you bounce back from it? Do you have a joke or two that you just pull out? Like what That's happens That's an excellent question. And the difference between something like this and a set is a set you're so used to the bits every night and sure you go blank, but it's, it's rare. And I always have a set list. I always have an index card with me um, to put me back on track or even to check every now and then to go, where am I in the set list? What have I left out? Where am I going? Oh yeah, you'll pull out the, you'll pull out this card mid, mid It's show. not even a that's a great question because that would be weird to take right. a card out and start looking at it. It's a cheat. What I do is I have my drink on a stool and then I have the index card set list on that stool. So when I reach down for my drink, oh. what I'm really doing, comedians are not that thirsty, okay? <laughs> Don't you, you great. always see water on the stool. We could go an hour without liquids. It's not about that. Yes, every now and then you're using your voice a lot, so you wanna, you know, refresh your vocal cords and, and liquidate a little bit. Not liquidate. That's a stupid word. Um, <laughs> and you want to? What's the word for when you ha when you are um, hydrate? Hydrate is the word, not liquidate. You want to hydrate, but the real purpose is to give you a second to mm -hmm. gather your thoughts and or look at a cheat sheet that's on there and go, oh, okay, that's where that's where I'm at, and that's what goes next. And the one question I had for you is, how did it change your life, and how did it affect you? What changed? All of a sudden, you're this viral sensation. Do you get recognized on the street? Do you get offers to make more of it? What happens to yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. I'll ask. I'll answer those questions, and then I'll throw you a question. How about that? Um. So yes, the answer is yes. It's it. The the world does. It lasted for quite a bit of time, and the the influence that the video had was insane. I would say one of the most popular videos. I've gone viral a couple times. Thank God in my in my career. Uh, this had I would say the most impact in a, I have a video that has 300 million views but and this was so relevant this was so time, time uh so in, on time for what was going on in the world uh it just took to wildfire i got i get noticed i got noticed in the street especially around that time and uh but really more important wait 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 you got noticed on the street did you wear the blindfold walking down on the street and they were <laughs> like hey there's the guy with the blindfold video how did they recognize you you couldn't see your eyes in the darn video they can't, but it, I have a pretty impressive beard. So I think that really stands out. Okay. That would, yeah. But and you they would, literally would get stopped and go, I weren't stopped. you? 
Yeah, then and then it's awesome because usually it follows up with a hug. Can I get a hug? Can I get a hug now? And that's wow. beautiful. Yeah, wow. that's really beautiful. And and I would um and I went on actually ahead and and went took this experiment on the on the road. I went down to Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, and that was an actually in project with God Alba's uh, Love Project, which was a beautiful project. Um, Yes, that, love that, that project, love God Elbaz. Do, do you know there was also copycat videos of people doing it? Yeah, well, you know, the 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 video was done again in Israel, I know for certain, uh, with the same words. But you know what? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Correct. And to be transparent and honest, the idea of the blindfold hugs is something that I saw on social media seven years ago, six years ago. Okay. Um, I repurposed it. In, the, in this context around peace, being Jewish and going yeah. in and standing for peace. So I think that's beautiful about social media and, and like creators today is that we don't hold things to our chest. We're like, hey, you know, anytime I meet up other creators, people are sharing information. What program do you use? How do you shoot that? And we're all open because you know what? It's the more we share, the more people we could, we could help lift each other up. It's really, we live in a place of abundance. And that's what I love about this, this space when it comes to creators and social media, at least the people that I know, it's we all share and like, hey, how did you go ahead and do that? How do you find your actors? How do you find your, you know, those locations? Whatever that may be, go ahead and do it. Can we collab? Even better. That's what it's all about. Here we are doing that right now, you know, in this podcast. What I love about this platform is that I'm able to bring on people who I admire, who inspire, who make people laugh like yourself. And, and we're able to share our energies together to, you know, inspire, make, make, make someone laugh who's, um, who, may, who may need it most. More importantly... Eve Barlow. Yeah, That's she's great. Name. Yeah, That's Eve Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like pouring your heart out and giving this beautiful speech. And I'm like, I figured, I remembered the name that I forgot. It was Eve Barlow. But it's so funny. I'm watching you and um, I'm lucky enough to be in your presence right now. And like, thank you. You're wearing a comedy seller t shirt, you know. Yes. You're like, you know, a 40 something year old man, 50. Right. God bless you. I think you just turned 50, but like you, you. you know, you, you have the energy of a 22 year old. And what's beautiful. I've gotten sometimes, I don't know people tell you this like Talmud uh, story from the Talmud, from the Gemara, like how these two, and this rabbi was walking down. He pointed at two, you know, drunks. And I he know said, these it. people have all, they have Olam Haba. They have the world to come. Why? Because they make people smile and laugh. You know, like you have, it takes, I think so much confidence to like say, yes, Society says 50-year-old man, suit and tie, whatever that may look like. And you're like making jokes with Trump voices and like it's it's so admirable. And like, do you ever doubt yourself and say, wait a second, am I being too childish right now? Or do you get haters who like, yo, grow up? And how no, do you like stop the, the those? The one there? thing that most comedians have in common is the Peter Pan complex, never grow up. So in my personal life, I'm a grown-up. I'm a dad with four kids. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. That's my personal life. But, you know, in my professional life, I'm a goofball. And I get paid, handsomely at times, to be a goofball. And the idea of never growing up, I'll never forget when Seinfeld talked about, he goes, all of his friends just left, you know, graduated college and then just got these jobs and offices mostly or doctors or teachers or whatever. And they just got these jobs. And he goes, I would go outside in midtown Manhattan at like, you know, noon and everyone's out and having fun and, and lunch. And it's like, yeah, isn't this fun? We're just enjoying ourselves. And then all of a sudden at like 132, whatever, 
everyone just disappears and scurries and all the streets are empty and the buildings are filled up and they're like, oh, they have to stop fun? Oh, I keep, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to go get a coffee, maybe get a cigar. I'm going to keep, I'm not growing up and putting on a suit and tie and being an adult. I'm going to be goofball guy and I'm going to go. And then at night, I'm going to tell some silly jokes and observations that are really dumb and nobody cares about, but they're funny and they make people laugh. So <laughs> I love that. And it's like, yeah, for me to go into like a silly Trump when I'm talking about something as serious and tragic as the Middle East conflict, it just it 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 just makes it 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 turns this tragedy into comedy. It turns this like yeah totally you know serious topic that has so much behind it and thousands of years of a uh, history. And now I'm just making it some silly thing, but I'm actually making points. And the points are. are all of those buzzwords are not real. And, you know, even even words like the occupation, which is used. I was just reading about it was like the anniversary of the uh, Hebron massacre, 1929, before there was a word occupation, before there was words like the state of Israel or the letters like the IDF or anything any government anything you can point to and blame there were massacres of jews in israel when it was called palestine at the time so it's like people like to point and go well it's the and, and the occupation and no one would get killed no that's that's not the case because well if the israeli government wasn't doing this no no before there was an israeli government there was you know yeah. just massacres and genocides and inquisitions and not just there in in europe and there was an ethnic cleansing of jews in every out of every country in the Middle East and every country in Europe. And that had nothing to do with Israel. It was way before Israel. Yeah. Nothing do you to do yeah. totally do you first of all, for those who don't know, and if they ever go to Hebron, there is a very, very interesting and raw uh you have young kids, I would think twice, but it's a, a museum about the 1929 massacre. Fantastic, moving, painful to see, but it's quite important. Um have but you, back to your point, telling yeah. jokes and 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 doing impressions really it's a, it's another way of teaching people yes. uh and speaking truth it's just it's just all about i want to get the truth out there but if i can get it out there through jokes and impressions and silliness it somehow sticks a little bit oh, more it for, sticks for many people. more than yeah. more than i'm telling have you, you ever, hear the facts yeah 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 have you ever crossed the line do you have a story where you maybe taken it a little too far where you're like Ooh. Maybe I always cross lines and that's what's fun about it. And there was a controversy about me just recently where I, I was asked to do a show on a boat that was going around Manhattan that contained 300 Hasidic men. And you. And me <laughs> oh, performing wow. as the comedian. And I went a little far because I heard that I was allowed to be sort of a little bit dirty and have fun with it. And I did all these fun jokes, you know, and then the obvious jokes of, oh my God, this is like the floating Muncie bus. And uh, this is what, they, this is like the Coronaville cruise. What's the <laughs> name of the ship, the super spreader? You know, and, and then I was doing some off color stuff and it got back to like the head rabbis and they were all very upset. And they weren't upset with me. They were like, he doesn't know better. He's just a dumb guy, they called me. You were the one who hired him, right. 
Yeah, but yeah, it's who hired him. Don't you know better than to hire? He doesn't know better. His job is to be stupid and dirty and whatever. But so they were mad at the organizers and and and, and all that. But but my point is that you know, do I ever cross a line? It it depends where the line is. For a boat full of Hasidim, the line is like, uh, you know, anything. Or, or, or if I'm performing in front of rabbis, and, and normally, by the way, if I'm being hired like by a Jewish organization, or if I'm performing at a shul, I respect that. I respect that there's a Torah behind me. I respect that there are rabbis right there. Do they need to sign off on your set? They never sign off my set because I, I won't let them, but they do have to ask me and say, you know, will you be clean? And I will say, I promise you I will be. And I always respect that because I think it's not fun or funny to be disrespectful of, you know, great rabbis or institutions or shuls or organizations that do so much work. That's not cool to get up there and go, eh, you ever bang a chick? And, you know, it's like, hey, you're in a shul. It's like, what's that's not cool. Yeah. yeah but yeah. but it is fun to go to the line. It is fun to be edgy, to make people nervous. Oh my God, he's getting close. And again, depending on where you are and when you're told, hey, this is just a boat of men and their wives are all in the Catskills and they kind of want to have fun tonight and be loose. So go crazy. So you go a little crazy and then you still get in trouble for it. But, and interestingly enough, because this will get back to the Larry David story. On that boat, I did a joke. I, I, my big thing is I don't do Holocaust jokes because there's just yes, that's an Elon gold, uh, 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 golden rule. You don't, uh, it's a golden don't... rule. Don't do Holocaust jokes. I think of them all the time because there's nothing funnier than the greatest tragedy in human history. You know, and, tragedy and, plus and, time and, equals comedy. And yet, and yet why don't you go ahead and, and use that as, because as it is such a horrific it is there are no words to describe the horrors of the holocaust and we all lost family and my grandfather's two brothers and two sisters and mother and father mother and father and like we all have these relatives that that were murdered so it's not funny to talk about that event and 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 those years and that and that period of time however However, I, when I like hear someone doing a bit that has something to do with the Holocaust, I don't mind it. I enjoy it as a piece of comedy. I just personally wouldn't do it myself. Like one of my closest friends once said to me as a, as a joke that he thought of, you know what would have made the Holocaust go faster if there were microwaves? Now, I immediately recognize that and go, that's a smart joke, but mm. it's the most despicable, the victims that were in yeah. ovens, that were sent to their deaths, that were burnt, either alive or dead. There, I would never dishonor those people. It, the joke isn't worth it. I, I listen to it and go, that's a good joke. Well, let me ask you it. this. And, and this is, I mean, people may be upset if I'm asking, but like, as a comedian, right? People get upset. Oh, he took it too far. Politics or religion. Isn't everything and anything on the table? Yes. Everything and anything is. But you have the choice someone... as Elon Gold. You 
decide this is not. That's the one. I just have right. one thing that I went, I don't go there and I wouldn't put it like in my act or on TV. Again, in real life, would a, you're not you know, judging. Life. You're not judging. I'm not TV. judging. I, I just don't appreciate that. I, I'm not even offended by jokes. I'm offended by jokes where there is racism, hatred, anti-Semitism, where the target is the victim. That's offensive to me. And yet still, if it's a good joke, I'll be like, yeah, that's a good joke. I just won't enjoy it. And where's that line though, right? But isn't, where's that line? Isn't the joke- I'll tell you where the line is. Making fun of the person of their, you know, background. I'll tell you exactly where the line is. Here's exactly where the line is. And now it brings it back to Larry David. So- First of all, I just, like, I, just like, cr- I just feel like I alley-oop that. I feel like that was, okay, slam, bring it home. Yep, bring it home. you did it. So on that little cruise that I did, I thought of one joke right before I went on, and I did it because it was just right in that time and place, and it really wasn't like about the Holocaust per se, but about things in our history that were really horrible and tragic and again, I just had this thought and I went, I would never do this in public and I would never do this on TV, but here's a joke that I think is fair in this one-time scenario that no one's really gonna see. Cut to, they were taping it and the videos went all over the place, all over WhatsApp. <laughs> but, and the joke was, I said, you know, I'm a little concerned this boat's going around Manhattan and when it, when it tries to dock back to Manhattan, they're going to take one look at who's on this boat and send it back to Europe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I said that joke because it was just funny to me that we're all in this together and we're all Jews and we're all like sort of, wouldn't it be like, isn't it insane? And the commentary on that joke was, isn't it insane that this country sent back these refugees that were fleeing camps and and genocide and they actually made the trip and got out and they just went no 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 you go back to your deaths which they did right. that is to me i i have to mock that and again i'm not mocking the victims that were sent back and were killed the mockery is the officials who sent that boat back and how disgusting and disgraceful that is to not give them refuge and not say oh my god come here to our shores and we'll save you and we'll they're murdering you guys over there and if i could make a joke that will that will make fun of that the, the, the insanity of sending a boat of, you know, these victims, these innocent people seeking refuge, that's okay. When Mel Brooks does springtime for Hitler, he's making fun of Hitler. And he said, my, my only weapon against Hitler, my only way to fight him back was to mock him. I don't have guns and I wasn't around. I couldn't fight the Nazis. This is how I'm doing it. Springtime for Hitler is in, in my movie. I'm making a mockery of him. So that joke for me is not a Holocaust joke. It's joke. It's a joke that 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 reflects my anger, my utter disgust for what happened in life. So then you just turn it around and go, I hope we I hope we don't get sent back to Europe, you know, and, and just that's the, that's the joke. And I still wouldn't do that joke because it's a little it's in the realm of Holocaust and it still sure. bothers me. Wouldn't do that joke at a 
bigger venue or again on TV or on the internet or anything. But then we come to Larry David. Literally on the podcast. Yeah, maybe your biggest audience to date, but all good. Uh, Let's keep moving. (laughs) But Larry David famously hosted Saturday Night Live and did this joke about if he was there in the concentration camps, how difficult it would be for him to try to pick up women. And he got a lot of heat in the ADL and everyone's mad at him and the Jews are mad at him. Everybody loves Jews. First of all, we love to be mad at people. We need to be mad at something right now. We're mad at ice cream. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. angry at Ben and Jerry's. We're livid at them. Rightfully so. Those momsers, yamach shamam. Yes. Rightfully yeah. so. But we need to be mad at something. So now it's ice cream. Literally, I did that. I did this joke about how it's so weird that scientists are naming these viruses and variants after airlines we like and beer companies <laughs> we enjoy. If you're gonna name it and ruin a brand name, if you're gonna name a virus, do it uh, for uh, you know off uh, for a company that we all hate. And I'm like, like imagine if you turn on the news and it was like, uh, mass mandates are back in place thanks to the new Ben and Jerry's variant. <laughs> And everyone cheers and applause. And, and I did that in mostly Jewish audiences when I see yeah. there's a lot of Jews there. And then you see the few Gentiles and they're looking around and I say it. I go, the Gentiles right now in the audience are going, why are they mad at ice cream? The Jews are mad at ice cream now? Boy, they really, they, they, they get angry at anything. They're mad at ice cream because they don't know that they boycotted Israel and all that stuff. Right, totally. But, so Hilarious. anyway, so. Hilarious. So, so yes, okay. So everyone's mad at Larry David, and I get to the sit joke. down with Larry David because, well, let's just say I'm on the upcoming season of Curb Your Enthusiasm in Ayo. a few episodes in a recurring role that is so exciting that I'm not allowed to talk about it until it airs. But they just came out with that it is going to be airing end of October, and my episodes begin beginning of November. And I am so excited. Wow. I just did looping where you have to go to a studio and do and you 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 do the vocals that either didn't um, come out perfectly in the mic or they're or it's the back of your head. And you're saying a line that they want you to say to Larry or whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, that's created there. But anyway, so. So what's that? Fascinating. So Congratulations great. on that. That's huge. Thank and you. you're obviously acting as yourself. No, no, I'm playing a character. I'm not allowed to say they'll they'll murder me if I if I if I, if I say what I'm playing. But anyway, but okay, LD's a big fan it. of the podcast, so you got to be careful. Okay, deal. I, I I love that. So LD, I'm sitting with him, and I actually defended him, and it wasn't like one of those kiss assy. I'm gonna defend him to get in his good graces. I was already in his good graces, and I. I I wouldn't lie and say, hey, what you did on SNL was great if I really thought it was abhorrent. I would be like, yeah, or I wouldn't bring it up or I'd or I'd say I don't have an opinion on it, but I have a very strong opinion on this. There is no reason to be mad at you, the comedian, for doing that joke, even though it's set in a concentration camp. And even though I personally don't do any Holocaust jokes in my act. What you were doing is you were making fun of yourself. The victims of the Holocaust weren't the butt of the joke. You were. You were saying, I'm such a nebbishy guy who can never get women. I've always struggled in relationships. Women are not naturally drawn to me or attracted to me. So what would be the most 
awful of circumstances where it would be even more challenging for me to have a woman engage with me and talk to me and be attracted to me. Let's see. Oh, what if I put myself in the Holocaust, in a concentration camp? And then what do you say to that woman? Uh, come here often? And then it's like, okay, now it's funny again because you're the butt of the joke, Larry. You're the nebbishy idiot that thinks that he can't get women and especially could never get women there. And you're just using that as a backdrop the yeah. way Jerry used Schindler's List, which is this beautiful masterpiece of a movie that should never be mocked or made fun of. But in a Seinfeld episode, do you make out with a girl in a movie theater when you're on a date and the movie Schindler's List? Again, the victims aren't aren't the butt of the joke. It's Jerry and his neurosis of like, oh, I don't think this is right. I shouldn't be kissing this woman. It's okay to use the Holocaust as a backdrop for comedy. Mm -hmm. And again, right. it's our only weapon. It's our only weapon. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not, you know, making it about the victims and as, as long as you're not mocking and, and, and ridiculing. And for me, again, you're still shedding light on the Holocaust, because sadly, there are so many young folks today that don't even know what happened. They don't know the numbers. They don't know the reality of it. They don't, they never heard of Auschwitz. I just heard, I don't know what it was, 20, 30% of kids never heard of Auschwitz, like, like 18 year olds. Like, we don't know what Auschwitz was. So the more you can shine a light on it, even with, even with jokes, the totally. better you're educating and enlightening people. So I said to Larry, I am with you. He said, oh, thank you. Thank you. Finally. Okay. Uh, one Jew is approving of the bit. And I'm like, yeah. And, they, and, they, and, and every Jew should because you're allowed to make fun of it. Again, I personally wouldn't, but you're allowed to as a Jew. It's just like, you know, there's so many black comedians that are allowed to use the N-word in their act because that you that word is 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 disgusting and used against them in in the most hateful bigoted ways so if they want to empower themselves by using the word to take the sting out of it they can and if you want to use the h-bomb of the holocaust as a jew you can i choose not to but you can and especially if you're the butt of the joke gig isn't to hate that's the you ld story I, by the way i have a million other ld stories but we got to do a part four five and seven all right, we will. And I would love to get, you know, talk about it once post, uh, you know, Curve Your Enthusiasm starring yes. Young Gold is, happens. Question, I know recently uh, we've lost one of the greats, one of the greatest comedians in the, in the Jewish world, Jackie Mason. And this is a nauseating thing. It makes me nauseous to think that a person in your position would even bring up something that's so wrong and recent. It's a disgusting thing. And you're trying to get the, you're trying to make jokes out of my death. And you're trying to get this guy to do an impression of a person that just passed away recently. And this is a terrible thing. And it, it be just because you're the host of a podcast, it's a disgusting, nauseating thing. Uh, yes, he was the great. Jackie Mason, he was mm. probably, I mean, definitely number one Jewish comedian that ever lived, mm. probably top five comedians that ever lived. And I was just talking to Gary Goleman, the great Gary Goleman, who's, oh my God, the, I think Gary Goleman and John Mulaney are the two greatest stand-up comedians uh, of our time as far as brilliant material as far as writing and performing and Gary Goldman and I were just talking about how Jackie Mason's the world according to me is up there with Eddie Murphy delirious and raw with Richard Pryor live on a sunset strip with 
George Carlin's, uh, you know, greatest specials with it's literally up there as the greatest hour in the history of stand up comedy and right. his loss. You know, listen, he lived to 93 and that we should all do that well and, and maybe a little more. Why not go to the 120? But it's not, um, you know, the loss is not because it, it was a tragic loss. The loss is because I can't believe we're not going to hear his voice ever again. I can't believe. And again, we'll always have it. And we always have, you know, the, the videos and the yeah, tapes. Yeah, totally. But, but, and the, but to never hear his take on anything new that's happening now it's it's so sad when when anyone dies but when it's a great like that it's just extra sad for me as a comedian because oh my god i'll never hear what he has to say about the next president the next this the next issue you know and i know you guys are pretty close what is there a story that sticks out funny or not that that showcases jackie as as a person we were that we really close we you know he's just a guy it, it was just fan hero relationship and i get to i got to like have a couple of coffees with him and late night uh diner dinners with him and just bumped into him a few times but um all i all i what i really remember about him is that he reminds me of my good friend modi and the difference between me and modi or me and jackie mason is i sort of mostly save it for the stage jackie is always on and always spritzing and always and so is modi modi is always funny and always just in the moment and saying funny things and jackie was like that too and 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 that voice no matter what he said everything that comes out of this place's mouth was so funny it was extra <laughs> funny because it was said like this you know you could say something like i don't really i don't like you as a person i never cared about you i never cared for you i don't i always thought you were a disgusting person and you make me nauseous but if, imagine if you, i said that you like can't this, take I it seriously you, you want to kiss really him on the like cheek you. Yeah, it's just that adorable, hilarious voice that he had and the way he said things. So I just remember him always being on and always being funny. And the other thing I remember is his always being angry. And most comedians are like they have this anger thing that people don't know. But when you hang out with them privately, they're angry. And that's why so much comedy comes out of anger. What are we mad about? What do we want to vent about? You know, you look at a guy like Sebastian, who's also top, top five guys working today. Sebastian Maniscalco. He's mad about just everything is, you know, his daily life, going to the gym. Could you believe, you know, everything is you're handing out pamphlets before dinner. You ever see that Seder bit he did? It's like one of the greatest. Oh, one of the best. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passover yeah. bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, He's yeah, mad about everything. Well, guess what? In real life, so many comedians, by the way, not me. I'm more, I, I get irritated. I get annoyed yeah. and I get frustrated. I'm not an angry person at all. I'm actually really a happy person. And yeah, in episode, in episode one, podcast one, we talked about, you know, we tried, I tried digging into your, your history and the motivation of comedy and you're, yeah, you're not going to find it. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. You're not going to find yeah. an angry guy here. You're going to find a guy who's happy and annoyed about a lot of things. A lot yeah. of things. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, but let me ask you, though, and I think you touched on something interesting. Do you find people are disappointed at times when they meet you in off the stage? You know, Modi, Jackie, you said they're always on. You're not. Do you feel a certain pressure or you walk away like, oh, I let that person down? Like, I just, I'm just another guy. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm just shopping for some groceries. 
Do you no, feel like an obligation to that, make that person I, laugh? I think it is an expectation. I, I'll never forget meeting Robin Williams, who's, oh my God, the funniest human to ever grace the stage. The funniest. Oh, you met like, him in real life? Like oh, the funniest human. And then there he is at the comedy cellar, wow. and he's just sitting at the comedian's table, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this, uh, oh, this hummus is good, you know? He's like, Oh, wow. Oh, look at this. And he's not being funny and he's just talking and he's just like, and then his son came in. And I was like, oh my God, he's just a dad. He wasn't saying anything funny. I had lunch with Steve Martin when I did Cheaper by the Dozen. He just sat there and just talked about things. And it's like, it's not disappointing. Yeah. Most people understand that there's the comedian and then there's the guy. And yeah. sometimes- Seems healthy that way. Yeah. And, but, but sometimes I'm, I, I get uh, I get on and I sometimes it's just if I'm hanging out with friends and it's just and sometimes I'm just really quiet. You know, like I sh my Shabbat dinner table. Sometimes I'm just riffing and I'm on fire and sometimes I'm just eating and just sitting there quietly and enjoying the moment and and talking to my family or whatever. And and sometimes I'm spritzing or I'm annoyed at something or I'm riffing or I'm doing Michael Caine. Here, let's try one more Michael Caine. Are you ready? This is Michael. I want to hear Michael Caine, and then I want to play the impression game with you. Okay, this is things the actor Michael Caine would never say. <laughs> I'm not sure that that schach of yours is quite kosher. A schach is a roof on a sukkah, and a sukkah is a hut and a holiday that's coming up soon. And we know the point it. is, Michael Caine wouldn't talk about these things. That's never. why I like this bit. I love it. It's great. All right. This on um, this very episode, limited audience, though, for this bit. Very limited audience. And those the those, other thing about me, I have two acts, and I literally have a I have a Jewish act, and I have my regular secular act, which is on Amazon Prime. It's an hour special. I'm getting ready for another special now. Be filming soon, probably in like four to six months. And wow. I have two acts, and then within my Jewish act, I have the deeply Jewish act where I go deep and do schachs and esrog and, you know, stuff like that. And then I just have like, okay, here's just a Jew culturally Jewish bit. Yeah. Jew ish. And, but again, it's always adjusting. It's always about what's, what's the which audience. Is, which is amazing, Elon, because I think that's your superpower where you, you don't stay in one lane. You are able to make so many people laugh from so many backgrounds and that's 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 amazing you don't you, you really push yourself or maybe come you know who's really impressed by that my non-jewish comedian friends my non-jewish comedian friends if if like let's say they come to my merry era of christmas shows so i do every christmas eve at the laugh factory here in la sell out two shows we have like 700 people and it's the jews just have nothing to do on christmas eve and it became this LA institution that started over a decade ago. So smart. And it's me doing like 30 minutes of comedy, a stand up, and then I bring on four or five of my good friends. And they're not all just Jewish friends. I have my black friends, Alonzo Bowden's always on there. I have my Irish friend, Neil Brennan's done. You know, I have so many friends that do it. And, um, and they all marvel, the non Jewish ones, when they see me play to this predominantly like 97% Jewish audience of which I would say 70% are modern Orthodox or observant when they see me do bits that they don't understand. And it's like, you just did a half hour and I didn't understand almost 
any of it. And yet I just watched hundreds of people go nuts cracking up. I don't know how you do it because then I've seen you last week here at the Laugh Factory just doing your regular set and they're laughing and going nuts. But I understand that. And I'm like, you just it's just about having two acts. When I watched George Lopez speak, speak, uh, not Hebrew, speak um, Spanish. And I'm like, everyone's cracking up and I have no idea what he just said, but it seems funny. I just don't understand it. But they marvel at the fact that it's so cool that you have these two acts, like one act that I don't speak a word of. And it's not that it's in Hebrew, it's just the references. Yeah, it's the culture. It's the inside jokes. It's 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 what you know. And I love going deep because you get to connect. The whole point of stand-up is connecting as a human race with others. So the guy on stage you're connecting to because you know he's sharing experiences that you can relate to. When you connect on a really, really deep level as an observant Jew, that's a whole other level of connecting. Now it's like, we're not just connecting as humans or as Jews, we're connecting as like these observant Jews that have the same beliefs, same, obser- same um, observances, same customs, rituals. Oh my God, is that a connection? That's why my Jewish fans are like, so super fans, you know, because we really do share this connection that I don't, I, I, I want to, I want it to be that my regular act is as connecting as my Jewish act. That's the goal for me. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Elon, are you ready? Here is the impressions. I'm going to throw out a name and you'll go ahead and put it on for our dear listeners. Go. All right. One starting off with Ray Romano. Oh, yeah, bad. Yeah, why? Everything is, oh, I, I don't know. Wh- what happened? Why? At the, yeah. It's all just, it's all, everything is bad, and he's complaining. He's always kvetching, and no, no. Oh, and then it's very, it's not nasal. It's in your throat. It's down here. Oh, they got something in my throat. I don't know why, but it's bad. Bad. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Frankie Dice Roosevelt. No, first of all, that was a character. So Andrew Dice Clay was like one of the biggest comedians of the 90s. Uh, we did a bit about uh, combining Andrew Dice Clay with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We called it, Roosevelt called it Franklin Dice Roosevelt. And that was just a bit that you can Google and see. It's would be weird to do that here. Next. It is hilarious. I love, okay. I love to know when we're moving forward, actually, I love what you added to it was for those, you know, people who are listening and maybe like, you know, coming up comedians, people want to practice a craft. If you could break down as well after each one, like what, how you're doing the, how you're, how you're doing the impression. Where's that coming from? That's a good thing. Because like, for example, Seth Rogen, you know, Seth Seth Rogen, he's very raspy and everything he says is like a question. I don't, I don't even know. I'm that's not great. Sure that's happening. Seth Rogen's not I, even on my list. I love that you just It wasn't that. even on your list. And the other thing about Seth Rogen, uh, 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 and you got to get the laugh. You got to get the laugh out. But the other thing is that he's nasal. So he's very nasal. Everything he says, he doesn't say the word nasal with an N. It's D, nasal. I'm very nasal. I am nasal. And then uh, also Michael Caine is very nasal. And Jerry Seinfeld is very nasal. Also, very nasal. Very sounds like he's got a bad cold, but he doesn't. Anyway, Johnny Carson. Now, this is weird because most of your people listening 
and they will have no clue. It's the saddest thing because he was the biggest, the biggest late night. You know, they know Jimmy Fallon, but they don't know Johnny Carson, the guy that, you know, started the whole thing. He actually didn't start it. Steve Allen started it, and then it was Jack Parr and then Johnny Carson. But Johnny Carson had the longest reign. It was like 30 years. Yeah, he was the man. He was the best. Guys like Dave Letterman and Jay Leno all say Johnny was the best. Oh, you know, this is good. You know, you know, this is, you know, you know, you know. Okay, first of all, Johnny Constant. You know, by the, here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing. People don't even, a lot of young people don't even know Jay Leno. It's like we're yeah. doing, impre- I love doing impressions that nobody knows because it's just fun for me and they just stare at me. And I, I realized lately so many of my guys that I do are no longer with us. Like yeah. I do this amazing Charles Grodin impression because I love Charles Grodin and nobody knows. But I don't know who that is. You ever see Midnight Run, Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin? I'm a, no. Haven't. Beethoven movies, Charles Grodin. He's like, I'm not saying I was your account. Oh, of I course. Would. Oh, he, Grodin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So course, Midnight Run, there's that great, great scene on the train, and he's looking at De Niro, and he's like, you know, if I were your account, I would not open up a, a restaurant. That's a very tricky business restaurant. You're not my account. I'm not saying I'm your account. I'm just saying if I were your account, if I were your account, I would not do that. And that's exactly how he sounded, but nobody can appreciate it. And sadly, he passed away recently. So I, I, I do impress. You know, you asked me to do Johnny Carson, Jeff Goldblum. Great. Nobody knows him. Do you do a great Jeff? I do do a Jeff Goldblum. Give me Jeff Goldblum doing what? Give me a premise. Jeff Goldblum uh, speaking to a telemarketer. Speaking to a telemarketer who called you called her during dinner. You know, he's he's upset. Uh, uh, yes, uh, yes. Who is this? Oh, oh, you're a telemarketer. Um, mm, first of all, uh, how did you get my number? How, how? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And yet, uh, also, uh, but I'm eating dinner. Uh, I'd love love to engage uh, with what you're trying to sell. But uh, this steak is is far too delicious uh, for me to interrupt. Yes, 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 yeah. Fantastic. I love how you have to explain him. Jurassic Park, the fly. I mean, do we have to explain him? Absolutely not. Fantastic. I think this is, uh, we really covered, I think we, we covered those loose strings that we had. We covered, you know, what's interesting that I realized, especially nowadays, people like impressions. They do. It's a novelty. It's like a magic trick. It's like a, how did he do that? Yes. And they, they appreciate it, but they don't, want it what i realize in my act in my stand-up people just want it's like everyone's selfish inherently so what they want is talk about us talk about our experience through your experience you know tell a story again it's all about connecting and relating tell a story about being a dad or tell a story about your wife or tell a story about going to starbucks because i i just want to connect and relate as a human being, because we we all just sort of feel semi lost and we need to feel like, no, 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 we're all pretty much the same. There are variations of, you know, how we live our lives and how religious we are, how um, how good our marriage is. It's, it's all variations, but just talk about us. And I, I realize that so much of comedy right now, you look at the most popular comedians, guys like Bill Burr, Bill Burr ain't doing impressions, okay? Bo Burnham. Who? Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Sebastian, what these guys are doing is they're talking about 
themselves in a way that's like exposing their souls and the human, ex and the human experience. People it's the want, human yeah. experience. It's all about hundred percent. You're right. Yeah, this You're is human behavior. Right. So as much as I'd love to do another 50 impressions for you, nobody wants that. They really right now are saying, yeah, that's cool. That's fun. I like that. So trip. how about take it home? Go how back about to talking about real stuff? Yeah. And well, I think I would love for you to end off perhaps with a joke that you're working on or something that is relatable to the audience that's listening to right now. But I do want to just mention that's so deep and so powerful. You mentioned people literally are going to shows or the comedy that's trending are the ones that are saying, hey, you're not alone. We're all part Correct. of the spitting universe. And, you know, especially coming out of COVID and isolation, but even so, there's always like this aloneness. I think human beings are always fighting against. I know I do. Right. Even though I could be in a, I'm in a relationship and I know people love me. There's still this like, I'm a human. I'm, I'm, am I having my own experience as this person? I'm like, oh wait, is there anybody else out there? And when we laugh, we laugh hardest. Is that, whoa, you, you too? You know, you too. You also go through this. You're, you're in my That's head. That's why right on a Monday or Tuesday or when any night of the week, this comedy seller T-shirt that I'm wearing in New York City is sold out. There's a line around the corner because almost every comedian there are just truth tellers, and they're they're giving up their stories of you know human existence and their experiences and there isn't a line uh other than in vegas for the impression show or the juggler show or the magic show because that's cool like once a year oh let's go to vegas and watch you know yeah. Siegfried and roy get eaten by a tiger whatever like that's fun and that's yeah. entertainment People are craving something so much more than entertainment right now. They're craving connection and they're feeling lost and they're craving someone to share with them their human experience. Do you think this is this? Do you think this is the case just now or 10 years ago as well? This was something. Is it really more apparent that there is a, a aloneous epidemic that is a good it's a good time to be a comedian now? Huh? It's an amazing time to be a comedian. I think it's always been the case, but it's more so now. It is, people are so lost. How do we change it? How do we change it? How do we, how do, we do that? Well, I mean, first of I, all, you out of business, change of that with spirituality. You know, if you connect to the Torah, to community, to something like a homeland like Israel, if you you have to connect more than just to yourself and to your wife or husband or boyfriend or family or parent, you have to. It's got to be you've got to connect to something bigger than you, which is God, which is community, which is humanity. And if you can connect to that, you certainly you know, the reason that so many people who have spirituality in their lives, who have traditions and these great customs, they don't feel as lost as people who don't have that. And the people who don't have that, you know what they connect to? Politics. And they get crazy about uh, right and left and Democrats. Blah, blah, blah. And everything becomes politicized, masks and vaccines, which is crazy that that's ever yeah. politicized. So they have, they don't have that connection. So they connect to politics. They connect. So, so you need that connection. So how do we do it? You know, whatever your faith is, you know, believe in something bigger than yourself be you know active and vocal in your community do something that's not just about politics but really is tikkun olam healing the world do try to do good i do good by you know making people laugh and then having secret global agenda meetings on zoom 
I, you know, I try to do my thing. I try to get involved in charities and organizations and, and I'm active in my shul and in yeah. my community. So that's how you have to do it. But again, back to your question, I think it's more so than ever now where people are, are needing these truth tellers. That's why podcasts are so big now because people want to hear what is the truth and what are other people thinking? I feel so alone in this world. It's more so now because of this politicized world, because of the Trump era, because of the pandemic, people are just all over the place of yeah. who do I believe? Who am I? You know, there's no trust anymore. Trust in government, trust in our leaders. Sure. And, I trust in scientists when the CDC goes back and forth and Fauci back and forth, mass, no mass. It's like, oh, my God, who do I believe? Who do I trust? So we're just looking for something and someone to connect to um, where we can trust and believe in. And that's why I I put my faith in nothing but God. God is my trusting force and guiding force because there was a revelation at Sinai where 600,000 people witnessed God giving the Torah over. And then those generations told their grandchildren and their grandchildren, and just generations, generation of 600,000 witnesses. I tend to believe six. I don't believe one person. I don't believe four people. I tend to believe 600,000 people and then them telling their children and children's children. And it only goes back a few generations, if you think about it. So I know the game of telephone, you know, get things get lost in, over over time and over generations. But here's here's what I believe that the Bible, the Torah, the Chumash, whatever you want to call it, is divinely written. And I believe there is so much in there to learn, to be inspired from. And if you can connect to that or whatever it is that you, you know, that, that will make you a better person. Because to me, Judaism isn't just a series of laws and rules and regulations. It's yeah. so much more a culture and a belief system and a way to live your life uh, for the better, for the better of society, of humanity, and for yourself and your family. So, you know, it's not just a set of rules. Now, sometimes there are rules in there, like there are traffic rules, like, hey, if you cross this red light, the odds of a car coming from the other you know, uh, street smacking into you and killing you are good. So we, the state and the police, are telling you not to cross this red light for your benefit. It's not just because yeah. we enjoy rules. So that's, to me, when you look at the Torah and the Ten Commandments and all the 613 mitzvot, I see those rules as that's not God trying to police us. That's God trying to make ourselves, our lives better. It's for your benefit, dummy. This rule is for your benefit. Trust me. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't this, don't that. For you. This is for you, not for me. I'm God. I don't need any rule. I don't need any of this crap. This is for you. So there is so much beauty in all of that. And ultimately, that's how I think that we connect and grow and then a little bit of stand-up comedy, uh, and that's all you need in life. Mayor K, keep doing what you're doing and keep working your way up. Just think one day you could be Mayor L. <laughs> Elon Gold, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Love you. Wisdom, keep doing what you're doing. We love you. Love you too, brother. Have a great, great night. We'll talk soon. Be in touch. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Thank you, Elon, for coming back again on The Great Day Podcast. 
I love having you. Hope to do it again soon. And uh, if you're listening here right now, I want to say thank you to you for tuning in, showing support. It's very easy. All you got to do is subscribe. You can write a comment, share it with your friends and family who found any value. We've got a good laugh out of this podcast episode. And uh, of course, a big shout out to cmalsatub.com for your support. Big shout out to dailygiving.org. Tune in again to the Great Day Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until then, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay and have a great day.